0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Naples Update. I'm your host, Spencer Downing, and let's take the first part of this update to talk about the podcast itself. So, as I talked about at the end of the last episode, that I had been hired into a new position and would be undergoing orientation this week. So, I'm four days into the orientation, and... At the beginning of said orientation, I learned that I wasn't exactly hired, that I had to complete a series of written tests based off the orientation material. I've now completed all the tests. I'm pretty confident that I passed, but I won't know for sure until tomorrow. However, they gave me my pass key to enter the building today, so I'm pretty sure things are all a go on that front. I doubt they would give me the pass card and then be like, nope, sorry, give it back to us, but you never know. So I've had absolutely no time to work on the podcast this week as I have been spending all my time at orientation and then all my time after orientation studying for the next test. So unfortunately, I have to inform you that there isn't going to be a podcast this Friday. As well, I want to take this time to officially inform everybody that the podcast will be moving to a bi-weekly format. So, every second Friday, there will be an episode of Naples Ultra, but we're still going to be following the same sort of episode type. Meaning, next Friday, we will have an engagement episode, and I'm pretty excited for the episode coming up next week, Because it goes down a different avenue than we have been going down with the other engagement episodes. But it still deals with some of what I think is the most interesting subject matter out there. For next week and our 12th episode of Naples Ultra, we're going to be examining the life and times of the great Austrian psychologist Sigmund Freud. And of course, I want to spend time talking about his theories But I want to spend more time talking about his impact on history, and how he was one of the first people to move psychology out of the realm of philosophy and into its own independent science. So, I hope you'll join us next Friday for the 12th episode of Naples Ultra, Freudian Nightmares. But for now, let's talk about some current events. And of course, we've got to talk about the big thing that happened this week, which is Super Tuesday number two. As always, we'll talk about both sides. And let's talk about the Republicans first. Overall, the results were a mixed bag for Republican frontrunner Donald Trump. However, that mixed bag contains more positives than negatives. On the one hand... Donald Trump ended up winning one of those key winner take all states, which are Florida and Ohio. In Florida, Donald Trump destroyed poor Marco Rubio and ultimately ended his campaign. I mean, it was a really bad blowout victory for Donald Trump. He ended up with, I think it was either 46 or 45% of the total vote in a four man race which is pretty damn good. In Ohio, Trump lost to current governor John Kasich, which, as time went on, seemed more and more likely. I mean, John Kasich is a sitting governor who is currently very popular in his state, and frankly, I'm surprised he didn't do better than he actually did. But it doesn't matter, because whoever wins Ohio wins all the delegates, so John Kasich got all those delegates, which could, in a weird way, actually help Donald Trump because it means John Kasich will continue to stay in the race, which divides that anti-Trump vote going forward. And we have some pretty key winner-take-all states coming up, and if that vote is divided, that means Donald Trump can accumulate a pretty sizable amount of delegates. Overall, though, Donald Trump would go on to win four of the five Republican contests. He won Illinois, Florida, Missouri, and North Carolina with John Kasich taking Ohio. So even though Donald Trump lost Ohio, the fact that he won these other four states and he won them by larger margins than people were expecting means that he will be able to absorb that loss in Ohio and is still in a very strong position to accumulate enough delegates to win on the first ballot. A lot of people are saying that Ohio might bode poorly for Donald Trump, and he might not be able to get enough delegates to get a majority. I don't think so. I think because of the fact he did so well in these other states, he can brush off Ohio and continue moving forward and easily lock down the nomination by the time the convention does arrive. On the Democratic side, we had no mixed bag. It was quite a tragic outcome, in this man's opinion. There's no if ands, or buts about it. Bernie Sanders got crushed by Hillary Clinton on March 15th. So the same states voted on the Democratic side, that is, Florida, Illinois, North Carolina, Missouri, and Ohio, and Hillary Clinton won all five, and in some cases by pretty substantial margins. She did very well in Florida. She did pretty good in North Carolina, though I think Bernie did a little bit better in North Carolina than people were expecting, but Hillary Clinton did far better in Ohio than people were expecting and won Illinois and Missouri Both states, which looked like, were going to be easily won by Sanders. What I personally expected to happen was that Bernie would win Ohio and Missouri by pretty decent margins and win slightly in Ohio or come very close to winning. What really happened is that he lost both those states and Ohio by 14 points. So there are two questions here. Why did Hillary Clinton do so much better than expected? And what happens moving forward? Well, I have a couple theories as to why Hillary Clinton did better than expected. My first theory is that the loss in Michigan really shook up her supporters. And they couldn't be complacent anymore. They couldn't afford not to vote. So, coming in to March 15th, they steeled themselves and made sure they got out there and voted. My next theory is only in Ohio. And because Ohio is an open primary, I expected that to favor Bernie Sanders. And an open primary means that the primary is open to independents as well as party members. But because independents can only vote in one party, they can't vote for both, a lot of them threw their lot into the Republican side, and voted for John Kasich in order to ensure a Trump defeat. There's also the spring break theory floating around that because so many students were on spring break, they couldn't be there to vote for Bernie Sanders. I personally don't buy that theory, but now seeing the results, maybe there was some legitimacy to it. Ultimately though, I personally am still... Quite puzzled by the results on Tuesday. Everything seemed to be going in the favor of Bernie Sanders coming into Tuesday. He had the win in Michigan. He had the strong performance at the Univision debate. Hillary Clinton had a series of political snafus. The biggest one is when she came out after Nancy Reagan's death and claimed she was some great crusader in the battle against AIDS, even though... That's really not the case. All in all, though, it seemed like Sanders had more going into this March 15th contest than Hillary Clinton did. So the results either show a weakness in the Sanders camp or a lot of strength in the Hillary camp, or a little bit of both. So what happens going forward? Well, as much as it pains me to say, I think Hillary Clinton now has the nomination pretty much locked down. Of course, she's not the nominee yet, and a lot can happen between now and the convention. You'll see a lot of pro-Bernie sites come out and say, Bernie Sanders did great on Tuesday, he's got all these states coming up that favor him, he still has the potential to overtake Hillary Clinton, but even I'm not that optimistic. And then, of course, there's the Sword of Damocles Hanging over Hillary Clinton's head in terms of her email investigation, which could or could not blow up at any time. And even though Bernie Sanders suffered a pretty major setback on Tuesday, he definitely shouldn't give up yet. The map going forward definitely does look good for him, and he has enough money to continue the fight. As well, his message is important. It's important to keep sending the same signals and talking about the same things that Bernie Sanders has been talking about since the start of his campaign. And the issues of income inequality, of corrupt finance campaigns, simply just can't be forgotten. And no one else is going to talk about them besides Bernie Sanders. So for that reason alone, he should definitely continue to try and seek the Democratic nomination. And his supporters shouldn't give up hope. They should continue to get out there and vote for their man because, again, it's not over till it's over and anything can happen between now and the convention. I just want to say one last thing, though, in terms of American politics, and that is a race between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton would be a very sad race indeed. The two of them would actually be the most hated presidential candidates in the history of American politics. Both of them have extremely low levels of likability and trustworthiness. And while Donald Trump is definitely lower than Hillary Clinton, she's not that far behind. So if this is the race ahead of us, It will be very interesting to see what people are going to do. Are they going to stay home? Are they going to hold their noses and vote along party lines? Or could a potential independent join the fray and gain a large chunk of voters? Who knows? All that I know is that I personally will be watching very closely, and I'm sure a lot of you will as well. And before I end my update for today, because unfortunately I do not have a lot of time, I want to talk about something that has been getting a little bit less media attention. And that is, Russian troops have started the process of withdrawing a large portion of, but not all, of their forces from Syria. And I'm just trying to think what exactly this means. I'm not sure if there's some high-level geopolitics at play, that a peace settlement might be closer than we really think it is, which would be wonderful because this conflict has been going on for five years now, and the amount of suffering it's wrought on not just the people, but the rest of the world has been excruciating, and it continues to be the largest humanitarian crisis of this decade. But what I really want to know is what's going to happen to Bashir al-Assad, the current Syrian president and dictator, really. Is he going to stay or is he going to go? Because I've been hearing a lot of conflicting reports coming from different organizations and different people. Some are saying that the West is warming up to the fact that Assad will be the continuing leader of the Syrian people for the foreseeable future. That while Assad is definitely a bad guy, there is simply no one available that would be an improvement over the current regime and actually bring a stronger humanitarian focus into the Syrian government. You have ISIS on one hand, who you definitely can't give control of the country over to, and on the other hand, you have the Syrian rebels, and a collective group of groups that have banded together in a coalition to take down Assad. However, many of these groups also represent Islamic extremist interests. So, when everything is said and done, Assad truly does remain as the lesser of all evils. However, I'm hearing reports that are saying the opposite that it is the Russians who are beginning to warm up to the fact that Assad might not lead Syria into the foreseeable future, that they might ask him to step down or conduct elections of some fashion. And while I don't see this scenario as impossible, I definitely consider it to be unlikely. I mean, Assad's been fighting a brutal war for five years to hold on to his power, And Russia has personally spent some of its blood and treasure in supporting that regime. I just don't think it's likely for the Russians to turn around and say, "Okay, Assad, your time is over. And if they do say that, I don't think Assad is going to go easily. He'll probably just say, I don't need your help. I haven't needed your help for the past five years. I'm going to continue to fight this war on my own whether you're going to support me or not. Overall, though, I do think that Russia withdrawing most of its troops is a good sign. It's a sign that makes me optimistic that a peace deal might actually be reached sooner rather than later. And, I mean, everything has to end sometime. This war has been going on for so long and been in such a stalemate that maybe people are just tired. They're just tired on all sides and they're saying, I don't care who's in charge. I just don't want any pain anymore. Anyway, Russia withdrawing is an important development, but unfortunately, we just don't know what it means quite yet. And with that, we are at the end of our Plus update. I hope you guys enjoyed this brief update and this is something I think I'll probably do more of in the future. Just because these updates aren't as professionally edited and recorded as the actual numerical episodes, as well as they focus on current events, it means that content is readily available and easy to talk about. What would be really nice is if I could put these in between numerical episodes, so there will be something, I guess, to alleviate the gap. But I'm simply... Not ready to make that promise yet, because I'm not sure how my schedule is going to look. And with that, this has been Spencer Downing, signing off for now, and until next time, you guys, take care.